Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back to the Birdies and Bourbon show. Um, it's a pleasure. Joined by three-time PGA Tour winner Scott Stallings and, might I mention, fellow East Tennessean. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Yes. Good, man. How are you guys? Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking some time. We'll get, get we might get into a little bit of what's going on today, so we don't want to date the show too much, but um, we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit around on it. By the way, you may be sipping on something, by the way. I don't, I don't know. Are you? Yeah. A little Parker's Heritage, little heavy charts, one of my favorites. Okay. Um, so I don't know if we're given the date or not, but uh, it's a nice uh, festive day and been grilling a lot. So it seemed perfect. Perfect. Uh, you, you know, I, I thought I'd join you. I figured we're talking to a Tennessee guy, I'd uh, sip on a little Chattanooga whiskey single barrel. So seemed seemed fitting. Seemed fitting. Nice, man. There are some great dudes. I was down there not too long ago and met the guys and got to taste some of their uh, Solera barrel, which was incredible. <laughs> it was high proof. And I was with my buddy Drew Holcomb. We were down there playing some golf. And um, it's a cool uh you know, just the whole facility and everything they're building down there is pretty awesome. But, you know, I'm not too much of a malted guy. So it was cool to kind of go in and experience something that I'm, uh, you know, not necessarily super familiar with. But whenever that Solera barrel comes out, I'll definitely be in line to find one of those. I, I hear you. I'll, I'll probably be standing right beside of you, behind <laughs> you. If I'm in front of you, you can cut line and come up and stand with me. We'll, we'll figure it out, man. But, uh, but yeah, that really, really cool stuff that they're doing um, at, at Chat Whiskey. So uh, we've had those guys on the show and, and uh, big fans of what they're doing. So likewise, I'll, I'll be looking forward for, uh, for some new expressions coming out. Uh, okay. So well, you went there, uh, we're talking about the Chattanooga area. I got to ask a question. Oh, so, there's a little golf course. Mm. I figure if I'm going to derail this thing, I'll do it right off jump street. <laughs> that way we don't waste anybody's time. There, there's a little nine hole golf course. Um, allegedly, allegedly just outside of Chattanooga. I hear, I hear that it is possible on the par threes there to shoot a, <laughs> to shoot a two, to, to score two net three. Is that rumored or is that, is that, is that true? That's in fact true. hundred percent. I actually, funny you say that Matt and I've been trading voicemails back and forth today and uh, man, what a great dude. And I love to give him a hard time and everything that they've done down there, uh, not only for themselves and the brand and the experience they've created, but just golf in general in the state of Tennessee, they've been a huge supporter and are uh, going to do some cool events with them coming up in 2022. And uh, just excited to see, but yes, in fact, um, we play an event down there with, the the bourbon brand and, uh, they like to handicap the pros <laughs> and, um, I had made a few bur the year before I'd played pretty good. One of the rounds and, I said, man, if I could just get off these two net threes, I'd be doing pretty good. <laughs> and then it just started happening over and over and over again. And then Matt started following me around, uh, and just giving me a hard time and said, next time I go down there, there's going to be some kind of shirt or sticker or something, uh, home of the two net three. I, I, I so, so hey, I, y'all heard... do your hats off. Y'all do your research. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I heard that the shirts and stickers could be in the work. So, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're up to these days or down to, I guess I should say, but make sure he's got the right shirt size for you. you know, gotta, gotta, gotta perfect, keep it looking perfect. sharp. 
Got to keep it looking sharp. So, uh, so let's get into it, man. What's uh, I'm, I'm sure most people listening know Scott Stallings, uh, you know, New England guy originally made your way to uh, to Tennessee. I'm a little bit surprised. Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, I grew up in East Tennessee, so not too far from Knoxville. A lot of family still lives there. Um, what has a PGA Tour pro stay grounded in Knoxville, man? I mean, no South Florida, no Arizona. What's up with that? I lived in Arizona for the uh, almost seven years. Um, I have a, uh, my wife, we've been married. We've been married 15 years this year, Jennifer, and I have two kids, Finn, who's eight and Millie, that's five. And kind of, I lived in Arizona from probably end of 2013 to 2019. We built our house here in Knoxville, you know, two and a half years or so ago. And I mean, this East Tennessee is where I grew up. It's where I want to raise my family. We loved Arizona. We love Scottsdale. Um, awesome uh, club out there, Whisper Rock, that I was a member at. Incredible place. I'm actually going there on Wednesday <laughs> for a few days. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, golf takes you a bunch of unique places, but, you know, you can only call one place home. And, you know, driving down Pelsby Parkway to my house here and, you know, with our friends and family that are here, you know, feel fortunate enough where I can live anywhere. And, you know, we're not too far away from somewhere warm and um, kind of at the point in my life and my career, I want to live where I want to live and, you know, go practice and, and get ready where I can. We've got some great facilities in here too. And I kind of built a place in my house where I can hit and, you know, I'm never really too far away from it. Hmm. So nice. And, and we play a ton of tournaments now. I know you guys follow it. We basically never quit. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of nice to, it's kind of nice to go have a week off and the weather's not great. Like, man, I actually just hit a few balls inside, maybe play nine holes and you know, kind of get away from it just a little bit. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, as the tour has kind of grown, right? I mean, there used to be a season and now it's just, uh, it's, it's the never ending season, right? I mean, if you wanted to play year round, I mean, you pretty much can, I mean, maybe a couple weeks out of the year, but then there's some <laughs> other tournaments that kind of go on maybe outside of the tour, you know, that, that, uh, where you can still, you're still playing at action. So I, I know, uh, a huge CrossFit guy and, you know, kind of had a turnaround in your life. If you haven't uh, listened to Scott's story about, uh, you know, kind of where he was and what he took himself, what he turned himself into uh, just fantastic story and just the motivation drive that you've kind of kept to do that. But what, what's, uh, what's Scott Stallings, what's the DNA that kind of allows you to, to, to take that time off and be grounded and get away from the sport? A lot of experience, I guess. Um, actually, we, you know, with the working out, I had a couple college kids over at my house a little while ago, and, and we literally just had that same conversation of um, like when to get away, when to kind of put your foot down, and kind of how to balance all that out. Um, just the volume of play that we have, and you like, you want to be excited to go to the course and not feel like you know, you want to go with this sense of expectation, not like, Oh my gosh, I got to do this again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, COVID was different for a lot of different people and quarantine, but, uh, golf had gotten pretty stale for me. Um, I was in the midst of my 10th season and it was like, man, like if I could ever just have like a timeout. And I mean, unfortunately that was not what I had envisioned <laughs> in my mind, nor anyone, but it was a unique time. I had put my clubs down for seven weeks. Um, you know, literally I had to go film this wedge thing. Uh, we were doing this little part three thing, part of our kids play free program here in Knoxville. And my clubs were still in my travel bag from the players. And it was seven weeks really? after. <laughs> so a little bit of that, you know, and I, I, I took the staff bag, put it away, grabbed my old carry bag, started walking, playing and just realized, I mean, I truly do love this game. And, um, 
you know, it was kind of a great time getting around and, you know, play high school, college, other pros, and, you know, kind of figure out different ways to, to get better. And, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a rededication, but a little bit more of just a kind of a, a resense of purpose, you know, kind of understanding a great opportunity that it gives me to play on tour. I don't think I ever took it for granted, but just the, I, I was either like all in or all out. Like I never really knew how to kind of have like a happy medium. And, you know, I think it's always a, you know, a work in progress, but anything, as you get older and have more experience, you can kind of be able to look back and like, man, I'm an idiot <laughs> and, uh, kind of figure it out. Like, like for instance, like I look at my schedule coming up, y'all yeah, been playing and, and practicing and hitting balls, but I'm getting ready to play eight of the next nine weeks. Wow. <laughs> So like, I'm going to play plenty <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. and, and kind of what that looks like. And, and kind of like, I know what I need to do to get ready. And if I'd have been, you know, had never really taken any time away or, and, you know, gone into a stretch like that, I'd be like, man, like, what am I doing? But now I can build that stuff, those kind of stretches into my schedule when I'm like, man, I can't wait to get out there. And you know, I know kind of what works best for my game and, you know, high, high volume play and small stretches and kind of push it all out there and then kind of get away from it, reevaluate and go from there. Hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, so in, in, you know, you mentioned you were heading to, uh, heading to Arizona, you know, getting ready for uh, the, the calendar year 2022, I guess. What's, what does that look like for, for Scott, right? In, in, okay. What, like, what do you set your schedule? So you, you're, you're playing eight of the next nine. What, when does it start? Uh, to I start, I'm going to play. Yeah, I'm gonna play Palm Palm Springs through LA, take Honda off, and then play uh through Tampa. So I'm gonna have one <laughs> I'm gonna go to Arizona next week, which is or this week, which is the I guess we're gonna give the date, which is this is Sony week. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, I don't know how you guys that's put fine. your no, that's fine. out. That's but, fine. Uh, You're all good, man. Uh uh, and then, you know, go play and practice the rest of this week in Arizona, then go to Palm Springs and kind of lay it out. But I think a little bit of it too, you kind of, you know, early in my career, I'd always played bad on the West coast. I'd always been kind of in the, the winter of Tennessee. I never went out early enough and, you know, never really adjusted quick to the time change. And then I always try to take a week off and come back and, you know, <laughs> just like anything you the more you do it the what you figure out works first best and so I go out there and i've had great experience on all those courses of you know one at tory and had other chances to win at the other events as well so i look forward to that stretch and you know then you get to florida and you know some great events with with bay hill and obviously a three-year exemption and players and tampa place i've had an opportunity to win as well so you know, experience logistics time how you feel. I mean, there's a million different ways to go about making a schedule, but y'all kind of do mine like three or four months at a time and you know, kind of go from there. Yeah. Pay- paycheck's going to look a little different than the players this year. huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually I, I, I kind of knew about that, but then like when your buddies start asking you about it and like, y'all are playing for 20 million. I mean, and then you just like say that out loud. You're like, Oh my gosh. Like I remember my rookie year, I thought it was nuts. The average person was 6.1 million. I'm like, this is great. And now we're talking about next year, the average person is going to be almost $10 million, which, you know, the TV contracts and everything with ESPN and all the stuff that Jay's doing. And, you know, this next season on tour would be super interesting with everything that's happened in the Middle East and Saudi and, 
uh, you know, who knows what in the world's going to happen with that. So, so good time to be out there and, uh, just get your popcorn ready and see truly what all, you know, when it all comes out, what takes place. Do you like that, Scott? Do you like the being mic'd up and the cameras everywhere, no matter what time or, you know, what day it is? I think it's interesting, you know, the, you know, in the process of, yeah, you can mic up football players, you can mic up baseball and this and that, but there, there's so much downtime in our sport. I mean, you can play around a round of golf in two and a half minutes. Like you got to make up, you got to do something creative during that other time just because we're out there for so long. So you're just little idiosyncrasies and stuff that you come in contact with, you know, conversations with caddies, conversations with other players. Maybe there's some conversations that maybe should have the edit button. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of banter that goes back and forth, especially if you end up playing with some people that you're close with. You know, I know there's some stuff that me and some of my buddies out there have talked about, like, please God, let this not be on TV. (laughs) but uh and and nothing even bad just stuff that like (laughs) maybe you know kind of taken out of context or whatever but you know it's a way to kind of put our sport in a little bit of a different category than others and you know a way to kind of showcase some personality as far as us i mean people know that we play golf and we're the best players in the world but you know a way to kind of show just a little bit different of you know what people may or may not think and opportunities like this as well Mm -hmm. um you know being able to speak to a different audience and and kind of showcase we are golfers and that's what we do but i mean we're people as well Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's interesting, right? To watch it on TV is one aspect. And, and you really, if you haven't been to a golf tournament and kind of, you know, the, just the, uh, the the closeness, right? I mean, you're you're right there with the golfer, with the professional athletes, you know, hitting, walking along with them, kind of experiencing, you know, what's going on. But you know, re- really just a whole different dynamic of, of being there live. You know, it's like you go to a football game, you go to a basketball, maybe basketball is a little closer. Baseball, I mean, you're so far removed from you know, the on, on course or on field activity versus, you know, when you're on the course, man, I mean, you're, you're right there. You're watching the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, everything that's going oh. on. Yeah. It's weird. You know, golf's the only common ground sport. Like there truly is like, you know, you and I can go like throw passes with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but like, I'm not going to run across the middle <laughs> and like take a shot or like, I mean, I can go do batting practice or something fun in baseball or, you know, shoot free throws or this and that. But, you know, when the gun goes off, it's over. (laughs) (laughs) So, but golf's the, you know, you could take a tour player and, uh, you know, a good amateur and, you know, find some type of, you know, way with tees and handicap or, you know, some way to find some competitive match. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the unique part of, of our sport, a way to kind of bring it to where it's, you know, more kind of inclusive and collective, you know, Granted, it's a little bit different maybe when you're watching us play, but you can at least have a little bit more uh, of a unique playing experience instead of next thing you know, Aaron Rodgers is sending you on a slant against the <laughs> linebackers, and you're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers probably knocks me down with the ball before anybody gets a chance to hit me. So uh, my, my, uh, my wads aren't what they used to be. So. Uh. <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. Uh, so what's uh, so heading into uh, calendar year 2022? What's uh, what are you working on, man? What's what's in the game? What's what's working really well for you? And what, what's uh, what do you got to tune up a little bit? I guess I'm, I'm assuming that's what's happening in Arizona, right? Kind of t- fine tuning, prepping, getting things ready. Yeah. And- a little bit of it is just kind of 
you know, I had a good fall. I had a, you know, a couple of chances to win there. Um, you know, a great final round in Bermuda kind of shot my way up there. Um, but, uh, you know, it had, you know, everyone's into analytics and, you know, figured out what they needed to do to get better. And I had a guy, I work with a guy named Hunter Stewart, who's, uh, as much, of a bourbon aficionado as any person I know and, you know, great person to know and, you know, cool golf story in his own right. But he said, man, I need you to do a little bit more. Uh, I need you to stop being you when you're out there and, and you hear a player as a player, you're like, how am I going to be not me? He goes, well, man, you do the same thing. Like every week, he said, you have no variance like your lows aren't really low and your highs aren't really high. And it's just kind of like this. Mm-hmm. He said, the way that our sport is with the FedEx cup, it's so top heavy in order to really make a splash or make a gain, you have to have those outlier weeks and you have to have that, you know, plus 10 strokes game putting or, you know, a crazy approach week or this and that. So, you know, he kind of highlighted a few different events that would kind of be tailor-made for, for my game and the way that I play and we've kind of been keying on those and understanding of when, when you get the opportunity to not be necessarily shy away from it. And we definitely saw that play out in the fall. You know, I, I was in the second to last group on Sunday. I didn't play very well in sea Island, but in seven events in the fall, I had essentially three opportunities to win or in, in a position to, to have great weeks. And, um, so that's a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of maybe not necessarily what you're working on, but a little bit different mental approach when you're out there on the course. And, um, <laughs> but it was a unique conversation just in the way they presented. I need you to stop being you all the time. <laughs> right, right, right. And so, and when, when you're saying that, is that like, are you saying like from a course management perspective and, and kind of the way you're setting up and, and is it, is it changing? So you've got a plan, obviously, go, you know, when you get to the course, right? When, when you tee it up on Thursday, there's a plan and how you're going to execute. And then is it, okay, here's plan A, here's plan B, here's plan C, depending on where you're sitting as you go through the weekend. A little bit of it is, but trying to figure out how to make the course give you as many, like perfect example is I'd never played good in Napa. Um, and we just adjusted a game plan. He said, man, I'm going to try to give you, you know, he said, you're really good in this chunk of yardages. He said, but the way that the course sets itself up, he's like, you don't really get a chance to showcase what you're best at. Um, he said, so I'm going to change your strategy off the tee and try to give you four more chances a day to hit out of that chunk. So 16 for the week. I mean, my best finish ever in Napa is like 25th. And I shot one under on Sunday and finished sixth. Like, and didn't really think that I did anything good. I just put myself in a spot to give me more opportunities. I mean, 16 chances throughout 72 holes in a spot where you're one of the best on tour at, I mean, you're going to have a great opportunity to have a good week. Mm -hmm. So just finding nuances like that and um, just different things that kind of stick out that, you know, may be uh, more or less of, you know, depending on, it's not always driver if it's not always lay back and, and, you know, everyone sees what Bryson is doing with the game, which is incredible uh, off the tee and just see more and more drivers where there's definitely that there's also, uh, there's a reasoning behind that. It's not just, Hey, we're just going to whack it up there as close as we can. You know, just the way at some point, man, math wins (laughs) and trying to find more opportunities of, of that. And, um, 
uh, you know, so Hunter's been a huge asset to me and my team, the guys that helped me try to be the best I can. And, um, you know, it's been cool for him to, to be a part of it. And we've drank some great bourbon and, and made some birdies and, uh, been really, really cool to kind of see how it's all shaking out together. Nice. Yeah, Dan and I drink more bourbon than we do make birdies. But uh, I mean, it's it's a good trade off, right? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take yeah. the trade. I'll take the trade. True. Yeah. So so mentioning Bryson, mm. uh, does he uh, does he run from you when you come into the gym? By the way, <laughs> uh, I, I ain't working out. I ain't working out with that guy. I don't know. I would say we have different styles. Um, you know, I I, I would say uh, this off season I've definitely lifted more than I've lifted in a while. Just I wanted to kind of change it up just a little bit. I kind of felt just towards the end of the year, like a, a little little slow, you know, kind of my stores weren't probably as, as good as they should have been. So it kind of changed it up just a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's got his way of doing things. I have mine. But a little bit of his personality too. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like – the way to get better at golf is just time, a little bit of planning and, and understanding like, you know, when you get to our level, like the margin of error and just like what, like just a little bit better, what that kind of allows you to access to do in your game is tremendous. So you start looking at that perspective, like I needed a way to get away from that of kind of the monotony of playing and practicing every day. So, you know, the, you know, the, the CrossFit style of training or high intensity or different things like that was, was super interesting to me because you could take different different ways to program or different ways to you know put together workouts and you'd get completely different results and i was like okay this is super interesting to me and you know kind of figured out how to make it applicable to what i was doing on the golf course you know kind of gave me a little bit of way to kind of get out of my own head and uh go kind of get away from the game a little bit nice yeah so so in my amateur uh way of asking i, I guess it's um so you know in, in crossfit and 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 what you're doing right i mean uh, you know, again, listening to some of your backstory and kind of the, the reason that you did things right was was personally uh, for, from a health reason. Right. It wasn't, hey, let me become a better athlete per se. I translated into that right over the over the course of time. But, you know, with, with everybody focusing on, you know, swing speed, swing, you know, it's all swing speed. Right. And that's kind of where it's going. Is that ever really a thought in the back of your mind or is that just the residual of uh, of, of doing what you're doing? It's just going to come with it. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, uh, I, you know, there's all different programs out now as far as different ways to swing faster. But, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, like the volume of play that we have and kind of understanding like how to, to make it through like just the, the length of season. I had a conversation with Jay Haas at uh, Greensboro and I was just asking like the number, like his average tournaments that he played. And he's like, man, like 21-22 was like – a bunch yeah like when he was going and i was like 21 man like <laughs> you're barely out here at 21 <laughs> events <laughs> i mean you get those like you know top 10 guys in the world and different things. and obviously there's both sides of it but i mean sung jm's gonna play a thousand tournaments he's gonna be 30 <laughs> years old um uh, you know uh but just different things like that so uh, you know, I, I want to be the guy that I can go play on tour with the best players in the world. I can lift, I can run, I can, you know, go chase my kids around. Uh, we were joking about it. I took my, I have an eight year old son and we went into this, uh, I, ultimately it was like a laser tag 
extravaganza pretty much their blazers were shooting at you. And I was like, man, I could not imagine if I didn't have any level of fitness, like this would have absolutely destroyed me <laughs> a few years ago. So just, I, I want the opportunity to go do that and kind of be able to be with my family and not necessarily let my game or my life be such a detriment where I can't participate in all those things. Nice. To your point, nice. it, yeah, and enjoy life right outside of what works work. And then you've got life outside of work. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey guys, this is Tim Pearson with Chattanooga Whiskey, and you are listening to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Um, so a couple more questions, if you don't mind, and we'll ask you some fun stuff before we wrap up. I know you got uh, you got something on the grill. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, uh, so just when you get, when you came out on tour, right. And, and you're getting started kind of cutting your teeth, were there, um, any, um, who, who kind of took you in or who'd you gravitate towards who, who showed you the ropes and, and kind of help you navigate the, uh, you know, being a new guy and, and moving your way through the tour. I had some awesome people come around I me. Mean, Kenny Perry was probably the most influential. I mean, people ask like, who is your big brother? I mean, he was definitely more like my dad, uh, cool. um, and not necessarily about like, even like his age or anything like that, just kind of the way that he spoke, uh, to me, you know, his son, Justin and I are the same age. Um, and I remember having just a few instances playing practice rounds when Justin would come out and caddy every now and then he'd be like, boy, you're about to get it today. And <laughs> just, you know, Kenny would see something I would do and it, it say it was after a round or something and he'd come up with his phone and he'd be like, did you really do this? Is this right? Did, did you really hit it here? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I had some other guys too: Josh Teeter, Blake Adams, um, you know, Stuart Sink, different, different guys like that all been, you know, super kind to me in just different ways. And, you know, very welcoming Zach Johnson, um, you know, just, you know, always kind of lend an ear, just be there if, you know, for, for any different thing. And, um, you know, that was a huge blessing, you know, that they took time out of their day. And uh, I always heard it. Like, if you need to figure out who the old guy in the room is, you're it. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember being, I remember being in Napa and this year, and I was looking around and I was sitting with Maverick McNeely, who I've gotten to know pretty well the last couple of years. And I just looked around, I was like, man, I don't have a clue who any of these people in this room are. Oh, wow. And, and he just looked around. It's like, well, they know who you are. And, I just, looked at, and uh, just that kind of moment and not necessarily like, Oh, you, you've done it or whatever, but you, know, you just start to look around and, and see like the guys are getting younger and younger and people are better. And, you know, they come out ready to play and, you know, it's not this like a learning curve of, Oh, let me just get my, you know, a few years under my belt and then kind of figure it out. No, they're coming out of the gate ready to go. So I mean, it's the evolution of the professional golfers been tremendous. And I've kind of seen a bunch of different variations of that in my now 12 year career. So it's been pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it sounds like it's part of the Scott Stallings DNA. I mean, I know you're involved in the, the Knoxville community with uh, with the kids play for free program. And I mean, the things you're doing, I mean, it's just kind of a natural progression for you, right? Yeah, it's been neat. Um, you know, golf's given me more than I ever deserve. And I've tried to figure out different ways to do different things. And, you know, the only, you know, golf is 
you know, unless you have some form of access, you know, as people don't necessarily think about it, but, you know, unfortunately it's an expensive thing to do. It's, it takes a lot of time and, you know, trying to figure out logistics of how all that works is, you know, can be kind of daunting. So we created a program that eliminated all the variables, which is time, cost, and availability, like literally like that. We have some unbelievable partners. Uh, y'all be sure we've done a bunch of barrel picks. Uh, for oh, nice. the program, yeah, which is super cool, man. We did a um, we did a Dickel, we did a Davidson Reserve, um, we done a Nashville Barrel Company, um, just a bunch of different things where you know kind of put together some things that I'm super interested in, and you know tied in with golf, and you know had the charitable component with the Golf Foundation. So it's been really really cool to to kind of see how that's come together, and you know just to see kids at such a young age and how fast they progress and, you know, programs like that will hopefully continue to push that on. That's awesome. Well, yeah. for, for future picks, if you know a guy, uh, we, we would definitely be interested in getting on the list. However, we can contribute and help. Uh, you know, we, we'd be uh, more than happy to participate if you know somebody. Just saying. Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out. I think it'd be cool to, to get, like, all of our group together. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, the golf and bourbon world is not a very – big world once we kind of all realize like what everyone's name is mm -hmm. like everyone either associates with like an instagram name or like a this and, and then you actually refer to someone's like given name and like who's that guy and you give it like a whatever and it's like oh i know him i know that guy <laughs> i know that person yeah we did a thing with national barrel company and the dad's drinking bourbon guys when we were down there mm -hmm. and like I was using like everyone's like given like driver's license name. I didn't know nicknames. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. And I was like, Hey, can you guys get introduce me to this? And like, who's, I don't know who that is. And then next thing you know, we're at dinner with like 12 people and they all know each other. And I'm <laughs> and the only the one people, that doesn't really the people, know you, yeah. Yeah, the people you're referencing. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I was like, I texted all you guys and no one said you knew each other. And next thing you know, we're at dinner and you guys are all giving each other a hard time. I was like, so I think a, a couple barrel, a couple barrel picks are in our future, uh, you know, just to be able to, you know, do some cool things with that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Dan, uh, what else about golf? I know, uh, I know he's got some stuff on the grill. He's probably, probably, probably got a jump, but you got some, uh, golf questions. I got, I got some fun stuff to get to know Scott a little better. So. Well, I guess real quick. So you, you went through this transformation in terms of physicality and all that. What, what is your pre tournament routine look like now? What are you, what are you eating before the tournaments? Uh, it kind of depends, um, like whether I play late, whether I play early. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I eat pretty clean, pretty boring on the road. Um, maybe have one, one meal throughout the week. That's kind of, you know, stretch it one way or the other, but you know, for the most part, man, I'm, I'm pretty disciplined on the road. Uh, you know, you find a good bourbon bar or whiskey bar throughout there. And you'll kind of do that on like a Monday night or this and that. And that's definitely not like a Friday night, like oh, before yeah. the weekend or, you know, I mean, you always respect your tea times and, and you know, kind of what's, what's that around, but, um, you know, keep it pretty clean, pretty boring, nothing mm -hmm. overly exciting. And, uh, but I do eat a lot, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. it, it is fairly, it is fairly high volume. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So uh, I'm at a, I, I'm at a, hold on. I'll give you a little update on my, what I'm working with here. These apps and everything for cooking is literally cheating. Uh, I'm at a hundred. I'm at 170 degrees. I'm good. Okay. I got. I got a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. What did I, we do before? You, what, what, what did we do before that? It's like I know what we did. We stood by the grill and we drank. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm talking to you guys and I'm, I got, I'm controlling everything. I got, I mean, literally I got the meter like stick thing in there in both of my sets of beef ribs. I got some chicken wings going on in about an hour. And I mean, be right. I mean, it gives you the update, like how long it's going to cook. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily like, there's not really much of an art to it. And just as far as figuring out what kind of flavor you want, but pretty crazy. I mean, I, I have cooked a whole like meal while playing, <laughs> like I just threw a bunch of meat out there, control the different things. And I'm like, I look at like, I'm like texting, like some crazy thing. And next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, uh, too hot, too hot, too hot. I like, cool it down. And, uh, so, but oh. I'm not trying to be rude, but I, I, I am actually, you no. Know, no, what's, no, what's that's awesome. no, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. So, so hopefully I don't screw up any sponsorships if there are any out there. So you, you mentioned, you mentioned the meat, the, the thermometer, are you a meter made guy? Yeah, that's what it, uh, yeah, that's meter made right there. Okay. So All right. That, and they partner with Traeger. Traeger helps us out a pretty good bit and Alex and their team in Utah. And, um, I got two of them rolling right now. I got two sets of beef ribs and I got, I just turned my other trigger on and we got a whole stack of chicken wings. They're about to go on there about five, four thirty, five o'clock. That's oh, awesome. Nice. So, so what's, so you've told us what you're cooking, but if you like, if we're, we're just going to do one, if you're entering a competition and you're just going to cook one thing on the grill, what's your go-to? These beef ribs are pretty great, man. Okay. Um, like I, I, when I meet church, Matt Pittman down there, I, we was super kind to us when we played down there in Dallas and we got to spend the day with him and kind of seeing and learning from him and Ronnie Killen, another uh, chef in Houston, man, you learn from a guy that has a business in Texas doing barbecue. It, you can't fake it down there, man. Like you either got it or do you don't. So figuring out, man, it's not overly complicated. It's giving it time and attention and, you know, you prep it good on the front, take care of it good on the back end and, you know, kind of ride it out in the middle. Um, so, uh, beef ribs is not something you normally typically see in Tennessee. I've got a great buddy here in town, Simpson meats. It's, uh, uh, Jim Simpson is farm, uh, you know, pretty cool to, you know, have a, basically kind of whatever you'd want just right down the road. And, um, so the ability to kind of learn from them and do different things. So uh, I would say a beef rib is something that I would cook if I, I was doing, I'm not interested in a competition. I don't have the patience for that, but all my patience, all my patience is in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, coming from a professional golfer, I don't have the patience to, to barbecue or to grill. It's like I, I don't oxymoron if I've ever heard it, man. Yeah, absolutely. My my patience is for my family uh, and my job. Outside of that, I'm pretty impatient. My wife would definitely uh, resonate with that as far as uh, she would agree completely. So especially this little five-year-old daughter that I have. Holy cow. I mean, she <laughs> takes every bit of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. I bet she does. Uh, that's too good. And I don't know if I've heard a better, uh, a better name of anything so far in 2022 than meat church. Yeah. I mean, y'all will go to, you'll go to Ace Hardware or, uh, Academy, or I'm sure they're at a bunch of other places, but, uh, I mean, they're everywhere. He said, he's got the best job in barbecue. He said, he, all he does is make everything you need and you never have to taste the thing that he cooks. <laughs> so, but I've had, I, I've had what he cooks and it's excellent. So mm, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So a uh, couple of, I got some questions for you. So you mentioned a couple things. Um, and, and they don't have to be the same place. My first one is uh, favorite golf course on or on tour, or you may have, you may want to answer a couple. It's up to you, but 
What, what's your favorite course? Uh, Diamond Creek in Banner Out, North Carolina. Um, pretty awesome. Uh, been very fortunate to be a member there for the, you know, a decent part of my career. And, uh, they were very kind to me before literally I had anything. So been pretty cool to be up there, but my favorite on tour is Muirfield, uh, Jack's place and incredible golf course. Obviously anything that has his name on, it's awesome, but had a really cool experience. Uh, my rookie year having a chance to spend some time with him completely, like unprovoked he was walking through the clubhouse the weekend before the event i missed the cut at colonial and came up early and i literally watched you know one of the greatest not the greatest player of all time come in the locker room completely covered in dirt (laughs) and he he was (laughs) he was frustrated with one of the bunkers they were redoing so he got in there with the shovel and decided that he was going to fix it the way he wanted it to be fixed and I mean, one of the filthiest people I've ever seen in my life, and it was him. That was the first time I ever met him. That's awesome. Yeah, it, that is. It cool. was awesome. <laughs> yeah. What, what's your milkshake of choice at um, your field? Uh, the Buckeye or cookies and cream. Yeah. All right, go for. The I don't have many of those as I used to, <laughs> but uh, I've had I've had enough in my life to probably. Uh, <laughs> that, that's why I asked for the favorite. I figure if you're going to go for one, yeah. it's like this. This is my go-to, and I'm only going to have one. So, and make it. Can I get a small one? Small pour. Yeah. Small pour. For sure. Uh, excited about the changes that we're going to see there this year. Yeah, I mean, every time you go there, it's like, all right, what are they going to do now? Uh, so, you know, I missed out the last few years as far as being an invitational. So, you know, the position I'm in now, hopefully, continue to push in and and be a part of the event. But it's a super cool place, and you know, all of, all the events that we plan on tour are great. But that's just one that's just kind of just a little bit of a step above, and um, as far as everything that they do, so pretty cool to, to see everything and you know jack is super involved and you know and pretty neat to see everything that comes in the you know what makes the event what it is mm-hmm. sure sure yeah so the next uh what 10 12 weeks you're gonna go from uh <laughs> all I'll over say, the place <laughs> well east coast i was gonna say middle of the country but east tennessee's we'll call it east coast to west Very coast so. and, and and then you're going back to the southern east coast um and mm-hmm. and, and you've been you know numerous other places uh, is there a favorite bourbon bar that you've like every time it's like, I know, I know that this is going to be my cheat night and I'm making a stop. Hey, you got to give a little bit more specific, uh, <laughs> like a we on geographic location or best no, on no. tour or no, you, um, you pick, you pick. You're, it's your answer. Uh, San Diego, seventh and grand. Unbelievable. Um, like, like they have the whiskey society in the back and you have three options. You go neat on a rock or old fashioned. That's the only three ways you can order. If you want anything else, there's a bar in the front and they send you up there <laughs> like bolo tie mustache, like old school. Like oh, nice. that's, that, I mean, it is sweet. All the titleist guys sent me there. Um, they're a bunch of bourbon dudes and pretty cool on the West coast, especially something you wouldn't necessarily think to see out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Probably one of my uh, Ponte Vedra has two. It's got a pizza place and Valley Smoke. Very like surprising, like bourbon list. You know, place kind of hole in the wall that you would just right. You would go there and the food's pretty good. Next thing you know, you end up in the bar. Like what in the world? Like kind of like you know, you see some of the bars how they set up, and you see some of the things on the top, and you're like, 
okay, this guy's like flexing pretty hard. Like you walk in and the guy's got like five balls at OFC sitting on the top and you're like, okay, man, <laughs> like, I understand what I'm doing. I understand what I'm dealing with here. It's like, it's like um, whatever, whatever you pour me, I'm good. Hey, why don't you just yeah. pick because uh, you, you know what's happening. Yeah, but some stuff that people probably wouldn't think. Uh, Sanderson Farms has a place uh, in Jackson, Mississippi called The Manship, and we did a super cool experience with Sazerac there. Oh, we did a tasting uh, with some players uh, and some uh, clients uh, of the tournament and just different things. Sazerac brought some cool stuff in. Um, I've done some Sazerac tastings and some different things, and um, you know, that was the first time I did where I see. And you know, some people are not you know familiar with traditional Taylor or Blanton or Eagle rare, but next thing you know, you start throwing a 17, a warehouse C, a Blanton's gold, like a stag. I mean, definitely an elevated kind of tasting experience. Sure. Well, the guy that owns Manship is on the Lincoln road package barrel pick group, which is sick. Like, and as like a thank you for, for being a part of the tasting and everything, they gave us some of their Lincoln road barrel picks. I mean, they had 88 on their list <laughs> They're in, ha in, ha in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm part of a barrel group here in Tennessee. And like we had 12, I thought that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they had 88 and I just looked at them like, and they were one of the first groups to really do it. And, um, they gave us a maker's pick that made it about three hours at a dinner that I brought it to, but just different cool things like that. But, and there, uh, were, and there were only I, two people at the dinner. <laughs> yeah, it was me, me, and my, me and my wife. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, th those are probably some of my favorites, you know, different things, you know, places that people would consider and people that, you know, the manship is probably one of my favorites because they always have really unique experiences and they have the full ta Taylor vertical, which Taylor's my favorite. Mm. Um, you know, people sit made a big deal out of the Taylor head cover on my putter and um, different things like that. So, you know, any place you walk in and they have the full vertical and they sell it, I'm down. There you go. But, yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear you. Man. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, so before we get off the bourbon train and let you go, uh, so we've talked about, we flex a little on some bourbons that we like and yeah, we like what we like, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. our money and we'll spend it the way we want. We'll drink it the way we like it. What's, uh, what's something that is, uh, I don't, want to say bottom shelf that's not the right way what's what's a standard offering in a liquor store that you could find pretty much anywhere that's uh that's like a go-to for scott Sollins? Mm. that uh you posted about benchmark the other day mm -hmm. that, that benchmark <laughs> benchmark foolproof for 28 bucks pretty awesome yeah. like or, or uh like anything uh we did cast strength which makers like cast strength yeah you know, i'm not a huge like makers like I don't mind it, but like, that's not like my favorite thing in the world, but, uh, the full cash strength we did pretty awesome mm -hmm. and, you know, pretty, pretty easy to find. Um, I don't need anything that's just like gulpable. <laughs> like I need something <laughs> to let me know that it's packing like a little bit of a punch. Um, Dan, are you the bartender? Like 100%. I see you're in the bar. Yeah, <laughs> no. that, that is probably my, uh, you know, I like to cook. I like to different things like that, but the uniqueness of, you know, sitting behind a bar, like I could sit for hours and not drink anything and find unique things as far as what people like and what people don't and 
we got a cool bar here in town and they had a, the first, I mean, forever, they were one of the first people did the smoked old fashioned with the dome and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the full experience. And I'd gone in and the guy showed me, he's like, I'm gonna show you how to make a bad one and make a good one. Ooh. And kind of the difference, I'm gonna make a, a bad bur- or a relatively a quote unquote bad bourbon taste great and a good bourbon taste bad. And I'm gonna show you like the difference in how to do it. So, you know, y'all's, uh, the different you know recipes and stuff that you've thrown out that's kind of how i got introduced to what you guys are doing so keep doing that i know you guys keep throwing the bucaray out there i got a barrel aged bucaray right behind me um <laughs> so uh that's probably my favorite um as far as if i was going to have one more cocktail and i'd be done forever that would be it um See, that's an interesting and- one to me because a lot of people don't have that much experience with benedictine and very much so and and that can that's one of those you know like you you read the recipe to make a drink and it's like you know half of a bar spoon and i'm like i trim it back just a little bit more but most people are like oh half a bar spoon that's not enough i need to go ahead and put a whole bar spoon it's like easy taste that before you start playing around with it man (laughs) yeah especially when you're doing a barrel like a one liter barrel and you're trying to like quantify that i mean same thing like bitters like you're doing like a a barrel aged manhattan or you know old-fashioned or something like that i mean you know one plus one is not two when you start dealing with something that pat one plus i mean it's a multiplier not an addition factor so figuring out how to do different things like that and um so hats off to you guys. I like the, all the stuff that you guys do, different picks, different cocktails, you know, bring and bringing golf and kind of throughout there. So I like to, you know, figure out different ways to kind of put it all together. And, you know, I'm super interested in all of it, you know, from, from top to bottom. So awesome. hats off to you guys for what you do. Awesome. Thanks, man. I'd close the show, but uh, <laughs> Scott, you, you've, you've already done it for us, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to go in, but I, I mean, I got a guy sitting in a bar asking me about uh, golf and bourbon. I was like, man, this guy might have something that I need. So <laughs> something I, don't, I don't know about, like I, I try I make my, I try to make my own syrups. I try to like, oh, wow. I try to do it all, man. Like we got a mint plant that's out in the back that somehow our dog hasn't eaten it all, but <laughs> man, I, I try to, I try to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, well, don't sleep if you haven't had it yet. Don't sleep on the barrel seagrass. Uh, it's uh, it, it's oh, a whiskey, yeah. and it's like lots of uh, you know, it's a rum and uh, lots of different finishes and stuff. But if you haven't had that one, that's a good one. Send me an address you're going to be at. I'll send you over a sample if you don't want to pick up a bottle yet. Uh, but it is uh, it, it's an outstanding, probably one of the best things I've tasted. Well. It's one of the most unique things I've tasted in the past several years. Uh, it was definitely the best thing I tasted in 2021 for sure, man. It's uh, they they just knocked it out of the park, and it, it's it's a just the experience is uh, it, it's pretty crazy, yeah. So so don't don't sleep on that one. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely take you up. But as far as what, to get back to your original question, I saw y'all posted about benchmark the other day and, mm-hmm. um, I, I had given some of those out for Christmas. And I think someone that gets like a bottle for me, they're like expecting like, like the hit you over the head with like, kind of like the flex bottle, which I mean, that's fine, yeah. but I want to give someone something that like, you know, 
like the guy's not going to pour it like this because he never knows when he's going to get it again. Yeah. You know, it's to show him something that, you know, hey, this is accessible. This is good. You know, this is something like you're, you know, you're going to be able to enjoy and not necessarily like wish that, you know, you're never going to know where you're going to get it again. So, yeah, it's like I'm never, you know, that, I'm, I'm going to taste it. I'm never letting anybody else try it. And I'm going to taste it very sparingly because I may never get another bottle. And I, I think yeah. just with the rebranding that Benchmark did and then coming out with that vertical, I think you can get all five bottles for right around a hundred bucks. And it is, yeah. and you've it's got something yeah. from, I haven't, like, I don't drink bourbon. It's like, here you go. We'll start you at 80 proof, I think is the entry. And then we can take you all the way through the 120 or 25, whatever the full proof. I yeah. think they did a really nice job in rebranding a yeah, true the, bottom shelf bourbon. Yeah, to just kind of show all the different nuance. Have y'all done anything with the company distilling? The Jeff Arnett from Jack Daniels, it's, they're building it and literally about 15 minutes from my house here in Alcoa. So, yeah, we, we um, haven't pretty, yet. Um, he was kind of, you know, we did reach out and we connected and it was what, you know, when, when we connected with him, it was, hey, we're, you know, things are kind of still not new, right? But I mean, a lot of stuff going on trying to get it established. I mean, obviously, you know, Jeff's established, you know, being at Jack Daniels for so many years, but, you know, coming in, opening your own company and, you know, just with craft distilling and where they're at today. I mean, you, you don't have a lot of, it's kind of like becoming a professional golfer in a sense of you, you can't really miss the mark or somebody else is going to take your spot. So uh, not that Jeff missed it at all. I, I think, uh, you know, what I have tasted that they've came out with is, is really nice. So, uh, and I expect it just to continue to improve. So. Yeah, it was a cool experience. I've had a chance to spend some time with Jeff and uh, our very first conversation was about uh, taking barrel picks and like repurposing and blending them and toasting them and all these different things. And he's like, man, I thought we were just going to like talk about, he's like, you're like talking about like work. I was like, man, they told me I could ask you whatever I wanted. And I'm like, that's what I want to know. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> like yeah. I, know, I, I know what I know how to drink this stuff. Like, <laughs> like I want to know how to do this stuff that I don't have anything. I have a clue about. Mm-hmm. Like how you can like extrapolate. Like he basically built what they did in his kitchen, um, and like in mason jars and stuff. I was like, I want to know how you did that, and like I want to know like if me and you go on a barrel pick and we get access to like three or four barrels and then we make our own blend, like how can we guess what that's going to be in five years or whatever? And he's like, Oh yeah, I could do that. I'm like, I'm just like, (laughs) okay, I need like an hour of your time because I could ask you a million questions. And he's like talking about, he's like talking about golf. I was like, I don't care about golf. Like I want to know about this. (laughs) Uh, I I think I did. I think I just heard about a new business venture in the horizon. I'm just saying. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Scott Stallings, it has been a pleasure, sir. I hope this is not the last time we get to do this. The next time, uh, we should share some samples, man. Yeah, we should uh, we should get sure. on and do a tasting. When uh, you, I know you're busy the next uh, next several weeks, but uh, next time you've yep. got some downtime, you want to download, and uh, I'll make sure Dan doesn't ask any golf questions. I mean, he <laughs> might he might slip one or two in there, but I'll try to talk so much that he didn't have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've, I've done some mobile uh, tastings where we did with some groups. Uh, a guy did like uh, drinks with the pros and they mailed some samples to wherever I was and we did them all over. And yeah. um, we did a Murray. Murray uh, Hill? It was so, oh my gosh, literally it was a cognac cask. It was literally the worst thing. I've, I would rather take your sweaty sock 
and put it in. It was awful, literally awful. And I've had some Murray Hill stuff that was great, but like we're in there like talking about it and like everyone was taking a sip and it was like, mm-mm. <laughs> and then just immediately like, you know, everyone's trying to give like notes and everything. And we just come off a, a four roses, like limited. Mm. And everyone's like, yes, like, <laughs> let's, let's do more. And, oh, uh, so that expect, and it was blind. Like oh, no man. one knew except for the guy that was the host oh. and it, no one knew what it was. And then it finally ended. It was like some Murray Hill that they'd finished in some kind of weird cask that obviously didn't go very well for the rest of it. Cause I've had some other stuff that's been fine, Yeah, but so if that's something y'all are interested in doing in the future, I'd be down. Awesome. And, so, uh, so you're good. I'll, you're good with, you're good with blind tastings in. I I'm decent. I'm definitely getting better. Um, I enjoy them just cause I feel like you learn the nuance. You learn even more what you like and definitely what you hate. <laughs> um, uh, so like you give me like some super sweet, like feel like I'm having like a caramel sucker in my mouth. Like I'm out on that, man. I don't need anything that okay. just tastes like candy. Uh, I want something like with a little bit of spice, a little bit of heat and like some subtleness to it in the end. That's tends to be on a little bit more of the higher proof side. It doesn't need to be like, you know, hazmat or anything like that, <laughs> which I did have a, I had a 141 uh, in New Jersey with Hunter, the guy I was talking about. And it, I mean, it rolled down like, and it was, I don't understand how it worked like that, but you know, it just, the nuance to all of it. it that's kinda, it, didn't, it didn't, it was balanced and it didn't burn like a, like it was one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You see one forty one, but boy, I'm not going to enjoy this at all. And then was it the guy, was, like, was it a Jack Daniels barrel pick? No, it, no, it was a uh, heaven Hill. that some, is okay. some mystery story uh, that went about it, but that, that Jack Daniels is excellent. Yeah, absolutely excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, and I you know, growing up in East Tennessee, right? I mean, you pretty much had it was like, oh, guess what we're drinking tonight, right? It's like, oh yeah, you're drinking Black Label Jack, and you know, I kind of got burned out on it, and it was you know, I I was just I'm like, yeah, I don't, nope, no Jack, no Jack, no Jack, and then you get to a point to where it's like, okay, let me start venturing into uh, the world of Jack Daniels, not the you know what consumes twenty percent of the shelf space, and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh shit they're doing a lot of different things over there. That's uh, that's a really good experience. So, yeah. And same thing, like getting back to uh, Jeff again, like just hearing the story of how they, you know, got, you know, their full skew of all their things and kind of what, what worked the best. And I think all, you know, especially Tennesseans and, and any, you know, kind of bourbon and whiskey people, you like, you want them to have something like a go-to. Yeah. And then they came out with that single barrel and you're like, Oh my goodness. And then they did the single barrel ride. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Uh, like that there's like, they hid it from us. And then they came out and it's like, Oh, like something we all knew that they could do. And then they did it. And you're like, all right, now we're talking. <laughs> uh, all right. I know you got to get some stuff off the grill. Scott Stallings, uh, here's to a fantastic. Uh, it's, time for more. It's, it's time for more. So, yeah, here's, here's to a great, uh, great 2022. And uh, we'll look forward to, uh, to our next show and a tasting with you, bud. Yep. Cheers. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Cheers. Thank you guys. All right.